us to see this as an opportunity to minister to people in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Amen. 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 All right. Cool. All right. Praise God. Well, welcome to Wednesday night, and I'm going to invite Dr. Sheila to come and continue to teach us in this important teaching about healing ministries. Come on up, Dr. Sheila. Um, I'd like you all to talk to me <laughs> while I'm teaching. Is that okay? Okay. So this diagram, you've been looking at it uh, in this format and, uh, you know, in a kind of sideways format. But now this is in the same as last week's format. Spirit on top, soul in the middle, and body at the bottom. And... Um, our subject is inner healing again, and uh, I think I've got a definition of inner healing in, in my notes, but very simply, we're all hoping to become more like Jesus, so that's inner healing. I mean, we need to be healed in our body, soul, and spirit to become more like Jesus, and, uh, uh, I mean, God has made a lot of provision in the writings of Paul, how this has to be done, which if we really looked at all the fine print and, and the capital and the small letters of S and capital S, uh, Paul is talking a lot about our human spirit. And how it needs to function. And uh, if we look at the fine print in the Old Testament, we will see that the Holy Spirit is there because of, you know, the, the kind of, in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he said, let us make man in our image. And so... Our doctrine of the Trinity is not all laid out, you know, on a single page, like you have the Athanasian Creed. Um, I mean, I can't quote it, but it says, in substance, indivisible, but in persons, they are separate, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we don't have that de definition in the Bible. We understand by reading the, between the lines and in the little singular and plural use of how God speaks about himself. So, and in the same way, our understanding of body, soul, and spirit in the New Testament also has to be understood by understand, uh, reading between the lines and seeing how... Um, Paul is writing about our human spirit. And so we have our faculty of spirit, human spirit, and the faculty of our soul and our body. And we don't function like each part just runs away with it. Every part has to function with uh, integrity with the other parts. So, uh, I mean, this was a good way of understanding how we are all so um, in unity within our personalities. I mean, we are meant to be at least. And this is where as God transforms us according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. This is where we are all um, aiming to go where our whole personality functions as one. And we don't have our mind pulling us in one direction and our emotions saying something else. But everything is united under the direction of the Holy Spirit who lives 
who indwells our human spirit. And the way he connects us to the body uh, is, you know, shown in these orange arrows. So everything flowing from Holy Spirit down is uh, our spiritual being and everything resisting this comes from down up. So can we resist the Holy Spirit? Yes. It says don't grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Can we resist our own human spirit? Yes. If we want to walk in the flesh, we are not going to allow our spirit to rule over our uh, whole personality. So we have um, ultimately our whole being when we come into unity, we demonstrate uh, what Jesus said. You know, he dwells in us and we are able to manifest Jesus through our bodies, through the spirit, uh, his gifts and his fruit inside us. So, if you want to even look at the fruit, it comes more from um, the, these three attributes, faith, hope, and love. It's hope in relationship that enables us to function uh, in our emotions because we live in a broken world and all of us have got something in our past which has hurt us and so we have no hope um, sometimes if I get into this relationship um, will I be hurt how open should I be how vulnerable should I make myself these are all things we, we uh, struggle with why because we, don't, we have no hope that this is going to be a good thing. We've entered into so many relationships thinking it would end well, but it has not ended well. So we think we lose hope. But here's where the Holy Spirit uh, gives us hope in our relationships. And in our um, knowledge, you know, our aim in John 17.3 is this is life eternal that you may know me, Jesus said. How do we know him? It's in that intimacy like knowing uh, uh, how Adam knew his wife. It's the same word. So eternal life is knowing Jesus now, not in heaven or someday when we meet him. And the whole uh, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. So um, a lot of my testimony and what I'm driving at today is it's the fruit of love, the faculty of love working in our human spirit that is really going to make us more like Jesus not our experience of power or our right doctrinal beliefs. I mean, it's, Paul says you, you can do all those things, but if you don't have love, you are a clanging symbol. So how do we get to be acting in the love of God, living in the love of God, uh, is, I mean, that's in a healing. If we are able to do that, we are more and more progressing in healing and enjoying the love of God deep in our spirit. So, um, you know, my experience of um, 
the Holy Spirit. I had many strange ideas. I thought uh, I came from my last uh, um, experience growing up with my parents was in a Pentecostal church. And they would jump and shake and, <laughs> I mean, they, would, they didn't roll on the ground. They almost did. And I thought, oh, this is, I mean, I had not heard of Holy Spirit, first of all, in, in this kind of John MacArthur <laughs> kind of group. You know, I belong to that cessationist group, which says, I mean, Holy Spirit, yes. But with the Bible, everything is over. And uh, so all that you need is in the Bible. Just look at your Bible, read your Bible, and read your Bible. And that's all. So I belong to a church like that. And suddenly, my parents decided to go to this Pentecostal church, and I had no clue. I thought, if that's the Holy Spirit, and he makes them jump and dance and do all crazy things. And I was terrified. I mean, can you imagine your little children sitting and seeing <laughs> you go crazy? I mean, they would be terrified at the noise and the screaming and the beating of the drum. It's very scary for a child, right? That's, that's what I saw in the church. And I thought, oh, this is Holy Spirit. But I said, if Holy Spirit uh, doesn't fill you, Jesus will come and you'll be left behind. You won't be part of the perfect bride. And I thought, oh, I don't want to be left behind either. <laughs> so, um, so we had a little church group. I mean, we were not even a church group. We were just people who, who were not finding a proper church in Mumbai City. And we were meeting in someone's house. And then there was this missionary from New Zealand who said, we have got a um, convention in another city called Pune or Pune. <laughs> so uh, I said, I'm going with my friend who was also in this little group. So we went. And there was this couple from Portland, Oregon. I don't know if, if you are all uh, in this Pentecostal kind of revival. Many years ago, you may have heard of them. It was Ruth and William Waltz from Portland, Oregon. Does that name sound familiar? No. Okay. Because we are in, in uh, Central America. That's <laughs> the West Coast. So anyway, they were the speakers, and this lady s said, all those who want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, come forward. I went forward and uh, knelt on the ground, and she, she was not a very tall lady, but she was big. And she came and just swept me backwards onto her arm. And I thought, I must be looking so undignified. Just imagine, on your knees, back <laughs> into her arms. <laughs> and she was praying for me in tongues. And I remember at that, at that moment, very clearly, I said, um, this is love. I remember it was almost a kind of involuntary uh, thought or something, expression in my mind. Holy Spirit, this can't be you because this is love. And I also said, my own mother has not loved me like this. And um, now I didn't know. I mean, I went back and this stayed with me. Holy Spirit, you are love. And my own mother, I mean, I, I remembered it because it was so clear. My mother was very, very expressive. My father was very silent. He was also an army, navy man. <laughs> and that made him even more silent. So I thought my mother is affectionate and able to express affection. But I never knew uh, that. I mean, I realized much later because I don't think she told me at that point any of the story of how I was born. But she couldn't breastfeed me. Uh, she, because she had a very difficult birth. I, I remember her mentioning that. And then she couldn't breastfeed me because she had a breast abscess. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit 
brought that to my mind, which I didn't even know, which I realized many years later. So, I mean, Holy Spirit is allowing me to feel his love, which was better than my mother's love or deeper or more wonderful. And that was the experience he gave me. For some reason, he knew that I had not bonded with my mother uh, soon after my birth. He knew it. And that's the way Holy Spirit relates to us. He knows the truth about us, which we don't even know about our own self. And he will only relate to the real person. I mean, I was intelligent. Um, I was on my way to medical school, and I was quite proud of that. But Holy Spirit knew there was something lacking in me, which was experiencing that love <laughs> okay, of, um, of bonding with my mother. He knew that, and that's where he uh, ministered to my spirit that day. And, you know, c- continuing with that story, um, you know, does it mean that people who deny the baptism and the Holy Spirit are not going to experience the Holy Spirit in a very real way? I don't think so. But this kind of download at the baptism, which God graciously gives whenever there's a Holy Spirit revival, and if you all are all assemblies of God, I'm sure you've been in Holy Spirit revivals, <laughs> and you understand. It's, it's like putting you on a fast track. You can be on the slow track, and through your Bible reading and meditation and allowing God to deal with your life through the Holy Spirit, you can come into a lot of inner healing, but you're on a slow track. And this is like a kind of instantaneous, in a moment, knowledge that God gives you through the Holy Spirit. And did I value it at that time? No, because I said, Holy Spirit, this can't be you. Because I was brainwashed by the idea that the Holy Spirit means power. It means um, more revelation of scripture. I didn't know that the Holy Spirit is love. God is love, okay? You can say God is love, but you can't say God is right belief. You can't say God is (laughs) power. Can you say that? He, he does have power, but he doesn't equate himself with anything other than love. Love is so key to the way he wants to deal with all our lives. And because of all this teaching, after a few years, I forgot. I mean, I forgot <laughs> what the Holy Spirit had done in my life until uh, another missionary friend came and revived it, and I had to think about uh, the whole thing again. And then I thought, what happened at that time? And a little later, the Holy Spirit dealt with me for almost a year. I mean, I didn't lose his presence, even though I didn't acknowledge it. Uh, I mean, I didn't uh, recognize it or whatever, but I didn't lose his presence. He was with me. And he taught me many things, and then I slowly, because there was no teaching about inner healing or the need for all this kind of ministry, I forgot. And it it got revived 20 years later. (laughs) And I had a problem thinking about something which the Holy Spirit was telling me not to do or to give to him or hand over to him. A thought that was going on in my mind. And, and I couldn't put my finger on the thought right away, but the Holy Spirit did. And uh, it was, Sheila, you're so stupid. <laughs> Every now and then I would say this to myself, Sheila, you're so stupid. Or, what a silly thing or something. And the Holy Spirit would say, okay, give me that thought. 
that's easy. I mean, I didn't know uh, what I was saying in my mind, like a tape running around over and over. Sheila, you're so stupid. And he said, give me this thought. And I thought, uh, you know, I felt a kind of resistance because we are naturally rebellious creatures. We don't surrender easily. If he wants this thought, it's my thought. Why should I give it to him? <laughs> Besides, just the idea of giving, allowing Jesus into this uh, thought of mine made my stomach turn like, you know, a retching kind of sensation. So it was hard for me even to give him this thought. But the more I did it, the easier it was to be thanking him and praising him. So it was good for me. <laughs> and so, but that, I thought, oh, now I can praise God. I can be thankful like all the other charismatic people are doing. I don't have to be sitting quietly uh, not knowing how to praise God. I can do that. And I thought I had made a great achievement in my life just because I knew <laughs> how to thank and praise God. But that was just giving him one area of my life. I didn't know I had so many other areas in my life where he wanted to be the Lord and he wanted to deal with me. And, uh, and the hardest thing for me to learn was how to be uh, in this new church group. You know, because we all went to this meeting. After that, there was such a strong uh, relationship uh, because we had all come out of our churches and then we had one of the, 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 um, the men in this group, the man in this group uh, chosen by the missionary to be the leader. So we all formed a little group and uh, this was around 1969. Within 20 years, this group became the fa fastest church growth movement in India, which, of course, Abraham has been telling you all the stories of how we went all over the country and uh, established churches and all. And simultaneously, uh, do you think there were no problems? <laughs> Were there no problems in the, in, in the church soon after the day of Pentecost? I mean, the place was shaken and wind and fire and everything. Were there problems? Yes. And I mean, looking at how the disciples were before the day of Pentecost and after the day of Pentecost, they were transformed, right? And Peter was restored from all his betrayal and, you know, letting Jesus down. And uh, Jesus said, feed my sheep. But he was not perfect. Although he, was, he had the power of the Holy Spirit to preach and the Holy Spirit convicted all those 3,000 people. And they were all added to the church and then the church had the problem of the Greek widows and uh, Stephen and all of them were ordained. So they had problems. And they were not able to be very relational even with Jesus before the Holy Spirit came because just 40 days or 50 days before the day of Pentecost, there they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus said, watch with me. Uh, the spirit is willing, your flesh is weak. I don't want you to sleep because this is going to land us all into a great crisis situation. And what were they doing? Falling asleep. And he woke them up and they fell asleep again. But Jesus, he could stay in relation with these disciples, he never let them down. In the utmost agony of what he was enduring physically, 
he was able to forgive from the cross. And think about his mother. And think about the women who were weeping on the way and said, don't weep for yourself. Weep for your own children. I mean, that was Jesus. And we have to become, ultimately, if we sing the song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I want is to be like him. We want to become like Jesus, right? And under pressure, in crisis, what comes out of our heart is the real us, okay? However else we may behave, it's how we behave in a crisis that shows what's inside us. And I, I had to learn a lot about how to be in relationship with people. Forgive them when they hurt you and learn to be forgiving um, like Jesus said, you have to love in the same way that I love you. Isn't that John 13? And by this, the world will know you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Yes, so he left us an example of how to love even at the most extreme. I mean, the, the Ten Commandments says, I mean, the summary, the short version is, uh, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, is it possible to love more than you love yourself? <laughs> Does the Bible talk about loving more than your own life? Loving more than loving yourself? Greater love has no man than this. Yes, that he laid down his life for a friend. And then we read that Christ loved us when we were still sinners. So if that measure of love has to be in our heart, and Jesus said it's very easy Everybody can love your friends and neighbors, but I'm asking you to love your enemies. And this is a test of love. When we are hurt, when we are rejected, are we still able to stay in love, stay in relationship, not withdraw and get angry and walk away? You know, these are all the ways we, relate, we, we respond or react when we are not happy. <laughs> in a relationship. And so the, the group which looks so cozy and moving in the spirit and all, how do we behave when such things happen? This is what we learn from Holy Spirit who has come to transform us into the image of Jesus. And do you know these same disciples who forgot all about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, at the moment of their death, were they mindful of Jesus? Was Jesus on their minds and hearts and lives when they died? Because all of them were martyred. So, that was a transformation. It didn't happen even soon after Pentecost. It took a whole their whole lifetime to reach that place. And the Holy Spirit was faithful. You know, the word for, um, I mean, I use the word bonding, but the word that is translated loving kindness or agape in the New Testament and hesed in the Old Testament all speaks of this kind of deep bonding love. There's another Hebrew word, dabak, which means you cling or you stick. And there's another <laughs> word in the New Testament, which also means clinging and sticking. So the kind of love that God wants us to experience from him is this kind of 
faithful, clinging, bonding kind of love. And we need to be able to think of Jesus' love on those terms. Not on a kind of intellectual, oh, did I get this doctrine right and that, which is also important, but if it's not leading you into loving God the way he, he loves us and, the, and he expects us to love him back, it says you are just a clanging symbol. So that is the aim of all this, um, this process of using our mind, will, and emotions, renewing our mind, setting our will free, setting our emotions free to be able to love, you know, not to self-protect, you know, which is our, our reaction when we meet new people. Oh, are they safe? Do we need to keep them Oh, our, our boundaries, where are they? <laughs> Abraham doesn't like the word boundary. <laughs> so we have a lot of argument about oh, love being without boundaries. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit which needs to work into our, in our whole inner man. And that's what has to be revealed in our, through our body through the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, <clears throat> and unless we have all this getting renewed and transformed, our body is not going to exhibit uh, properly the gifts or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I mean, what's inside is going to come out somehow or the other. So... Um, I want to ask you, I mean, I think you, you are all familiar with so many revivals, if you are a, a kind of older person, and if you are in this kind of charismatic church, you know Holy Spirit, how he revives, and uh, you have lived through at least one revival, uh, what would you characterize um, uh, the most outstanding at this kind of revival time? I mean, we have personal revivals at home and, you know, uh, feeling God's presence and all, but I'm talking about revival in a kind of church uh, or a group setting. How was the church transformed? I mean, we were transformed, I told you, from being this little group and not having any church regularly to meet in. Meet. God made us a group. And although it went through so many changes, <clears throat> we remember uh, most of the people who were with us. We have not lost them. And our relationship with many of them is continuing to grow strong. So, I mean, what would you say uh, characterize the kind of Holy Spirit revival that you were in or you experienced? Uh, yes. Uh, and you wanted to be with, with... Yes. And did you want to be with with people who were with you in the revival? Did you long to be in their company, <laughs> you know, Sunday after Sunday or whenever you were meeting? Was it a joyful experience? Yes, I really, really to get there early, like yes. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, do we um, do we need to have that kind of revival or according to life in the New Testament um, you know the Ephesians and the Galatians and the Thessalonians 
they did not have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit with wind and fire and shaking of the building, right? It was just Paul coming and preaching to them. So, the revival is setting you, like what I said, on the fast track. When God starts a movement, when God starts moving among his people, he needs to do all those things. And this is the first giving of the Holy Spirit. It had to, it had to be with wind and fire and uh, shaking of the building. But when Paul preached, it was just Paul preaching and the Holy Spirit accompanying his preaching with signs and wonders, right? So, I mean, we don't have to wait, oh, we need a revival to come, and then we will feel close to one another. I mean, the whole writing of all these epistles, these letters of Paul, was because there were problems in these churches. And then there were people he was mentoring, like Timothy and Titus, he was filling up in, uh, this mentoring need in their life by writing a, a letter to them. So, it's just in the ordinary course of life that we progress in this work of transformation into the image of Jesus. I mean, we don't need to say, oh, we need the, the wind and the fire and the Holy Spirit, come and shake us, come and revive us. He's, he's here, and are we listening to him, obeying him, Learning how to get over our uh, resentments and, you know, the grudges that we hold and nurse sometimes. <laughs> we like to nurse our grudges instead of letting go of them. I mean, there's plenty to learn if we are willing to learn from Holy Spirit in our day-to-day -day walk, in our relationship with one another. We don't need to say I need your wind and your revival. No. Holy Spirit, you're given. You're indwelling my being. And if we read the letters of Paul, he says very clearly, set your affections on things above. The mind set on the spirit is against the mind set on the flesh. He's laid out the whole roadmap for us to become more like Jesus. In every situation God ordains in our life is to make us more like Jesus. And how to stay in relationship in crisis situations, not to withdraw, not to get angry and walk away, but to stay in love because love comes back because it's his love. I mean, the person who did us the most harm, <laughs> I said this was the fastest growing church, and alas, this was also the church which did us the greatest uh, harm. But because love is, is God, is Jesus, that one thing, you know, when I went for this counseling <laughs> uh, to UK for nine weeks, I thought, uh, like, you know, I'll have some emotional release and, you know, all this kind of thing. And what I ended up doing with my counseling counselor lady, I didn't appreciate her so much because she looked so stern. <laughs> but she was the one, God put me with her. When she came to India, I was with this lady. When I went to UK, this lady is, you know, out of all the... Uh, sorting out and matching people. I'm with the same lady. And she made me pray forgiveness of these leaders about almost 30 times. Did I come away with no grudge, no anger, nothing in my heart? Because we had not come out of all the damage which was done in, in our life. We were still going through it all. And here I have to be praying forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. But... I mean, the Holy Spirit is so faithful. You know, all that the leader did in, to us, he had to face in his own life at a certain point. And do you think we rejoiced? No. We went back to him. And we sat with him. And he wept. For the first time, he was real with us. He said, Everybody says, I've lost my mind, but do you think I've lost my mind? And we said, no, you've not lost your mind. 
if you can ask for forgiveness with so much genuine humility, I mean, that's the way the Holy Spirit works, transforming our lives, enabling us to forgive, get back into relationship, because he is God and he is love. He does this work in our hearts. And uh, I mean, I don't know what else I, I wanted to, to share with you. Uh, I mean, and he goes on with this work. I mean, it's a kind of work which we are not measuring on human terms. This uh, Indian lady who came, some of you met, I'm sure you must, one of you must have welcomed her inside. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we just met her random. At, um, it was kind of random in, uh, introduction. And we sat and we talked. You're from Mumbai. We are from Mumbai. She's 37 years old. And at the age of 11 or 12, she attended a house church in a building. And she forgot the name of the building. And all she knew was <laughs> that there were fisher, the fisherwomen who used to sell fish below the building. So I said, was that Dias apartment? And Dias apartment was the building which Abraham had built. And, uh, you know, whenever he builds a building, he, he, ha he gets some part of the building for himself. So he had rented a, uh, or allowed this group to meet in that building. So that's how effective the network was and how it grew. I mean, here is this girl, 11-year-old. Now she's 37 years old. And she had attended this house church. And they were all Roman Catholics. It was a very strong move of the spirit among Roman Catholics. So, I mean, God will do his work. But how uh, wonderful it would be if we are able to understand his work within our own lives. I mean, his church is going to grow. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Yes. But of his kingdom within our hearts to make us more like Jesus. That's the transformation we are all longing for, right? And uh, not to be sitting uh, ever. I mean, Paul was in jail when he wrote all these letters. And he said, uh, rejoice. He was able to say rejoice. <laughs> Here he is sitting in jail. And um, don't complain and grumble, but be thankful in every situation. He could write those things because he was living those things. And that should be at least our goal in life. When will I be able to live without complaining? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, this is a kind of just um, to stir us all up to become people of relationship, people of uh, that hesed, agape, clinging, faithful love to one another. Because we are told to love one another with the love with which God has loved us. And this is the way we grow both ways. I mean, we grow in our love for one another as well as we grow in the knowledge of God's love. There's no other way. I mean, we came into this world totally helpless, depending on our parents' care, right? I mean, where would we be if there wasn't this constant feeding and cleaning and, you know, <laughs> looking after? Okay. <clears throat> and now that we grow older, okay, we learn to do so many things on our own and be independent, and that's a big achievement. We, we always say... Um, mark those milestones and you know he's able to stand on his own legs and he's able to buy a house and he's able to do this and this and we think it's a big achievement and we forget sometimes how relational God has made us to be to one another that is the greatest priority you know I was studying to become a doctor. And here was this kind of 
uh, revelation which Abraham got that <laughs> God told him to marry me, which I was not happy to give up all my uh, ambition, my drive to excel in my profession. I thought I'm being very noble and I want to be a missionary doctor. But here is God saying to get married. So in my class, I was the first one to get married. During internship, I was expecting our, our son. When Peter was born, the obstetrician comes to me the next day and he says, now enough of having all these babies. Go and do your post-graduation. <laughs> I mean, in India, it's very strong, you know, um, because our, our country is so populated. <laughs> Don't have babies is what you hear all the time. Yeah. So, but, I mean, I said, I don't think I would be able to talk with a kind of depth of understanding the love of God and how he has created us to be in, in and through relationships. If, if I had not got married, I, I could have been, uh, you know, what you call an ivory tower kind of um, doctor who, who kept my distance from people without getting too involved. Or I could have gone the other extreme and got so involved and then died of AIDS or something because I was so involved. I mean, we don't know what love is unless we know God and we're willing to walk uh, the way he is appointed for us, which means giving up our own will, which we think the will is the most helpful thing, and I can do so many things, pray 10 hours a day, or, you know, wake up at 4 in the morning. But our wills were meant to serve our spirit. We don't achieve anything except by surrendering our will to the will of God. Yes. Willpower doesn't achieve anything. And if we did, we would be so proud and we'd think we did it all with our own strength. So surrendering my will was hard. And it's a kind of moment, hour by hour, surrender. Uh, shall I manipulate Abraham a little bit to get my way? <laughs> he says I'm very manipulating. <laughs> or shall I, shall I say, Lord, have your way. You know how you're leading him. Now it's our whole going to India trip. We're helpless. We need you, <laughs> Lord, to lead us. <laughs> and every time, the wonderful thing is, if, if we come to that point of helplessness, the Holy Spirit is not far away. He always answers. Yes, and he always helps. You know, I was sitting in here on Sunday. Abraham was feeling a little upset because Joni didn't show up. <laughs> so I said, Holy Spirit, I don't know how whether this Sunday morning thing is going to get canceled. So anyway, I came and I spoke to Pastor Ricky. And he said, don't cancel. Sunday morning, we've got child care, which is a most helpful thing. Let's ask uh, how people feel. So now this little homework part, I don't know if Joni is going to ask. Uh, but we are here on Sunday morning to, to pray with you, I think, we learned a lot um, from each other, praying for uh, Chris, <laughs> okay, and we prayed for, I mean, I prayed alone for you, but it's, it's nice to work as a team. So our Sunday mornings, if uh, Pastor Ricky and Joni are happy, I will be there at nine, because what I've been telling you, I spent nine weeks learning this in UK. And when the team came to India, they, they did it in a kind of 10-day school, and I have done it in a kind of 40-minute <laughs> lesson. There's so much to learn about the way our mind and our emotions and... Uh, and I mean, we are so complex. I mean, would you go to a surgeon who had not spent two years uh, dissecting every 
nerve and every muscle in the body. Would you trust a person? Okay, you can operate on my child's um, heart or whatever. You wouldn't. And it's the same with our spirit. I mean, our spirit is going to live for eternity. And we are starting eternal life now in the kind of relationship we are establishing with Jesus right now. I mean, it's not, and we're not going to have a kind of different life when we go, back, go to heaven because we've started it right now. So we better work on it. Of course, work on it with fear and trembling because it's God who is at work in us, right? So learning together, learning more about yourselves and ourselves as we relate to one another, I mean, that's so essential. I mean, we want people to come to the healing rooms. But have we learned to be that kind of warm <laughs> relating people. I was uh, telling Joni, I was sitting in that sofa, wondering where's Joni, thinking she'll come, and I, I had to deliver a hug to her from Stacy. I surprise her with a hug from Stacy. And I was waiting and waiting, and he didn't, uh, you didn't tell me where was Joni. I thought she's going to follow you. But you disappeared in the room, and I was left watching our brother Jerry. And Jerry was watching the driveway. So I thought, shall I disturb him? Or what shall I do? So I was watching you. And you were watching the driveway. <laughs> and um, so I just person that skill comes easily to such people. I mean, it doesn't come easily to me. It comes easily to him. <laughs> because I grew up with a military father. I can be like uh, Brother Jerry, focused on one thing only. But I need to, you know, look at all of us as a group and be able to relate and learn from those who have the skills that I lack. And that's how we can become more like Jesus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've run out of breath. <laughs> I,